Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Did you know it was Bong Joon-ho month? What? You mean the man that's behind Parasite, Snowpiercer, The Host, and the infamous Oscars kissing after he won for Parasite? Ah, yes. I'm so excited. We stand. Y'all, we've been teasing this for a second. Uh, yeah. It's Bong Joon-ho month for April because fuck it. We fucking love him. He deserves his own month. So we're going to go ahead and do that this this month. We're starting with The Host. We just watched it yesterday Mm -hmm. and yeah we're gonna do our normal setup here we're gonna talk about the plot and then we're gonna do a little bit of analysis talk about south korea for a little bit yeah and just praise the shit out of bong juno yeah (laughs) this is not gonna be a negative podcast i can tell you that i mean even if it even if i had anything bad to say about him i'd have to have something real strong you don't if you've come for the king you better not miss exactly i agree i agree i i love love every bit of him yeah well, we are talking about the host today, 2006. Mm-hmm. This is one of the first big breakouts from the South Korean film industry, mm-hmm. uh, internationally speaking. Yeah. South Korea has a strong history of being just incredible in film, but they're better known for animation studios. Mm-hmm. For instance, Avatar The Last Airbender, the show, not that awful movie, <laughs> uh, was entirely animated by South Korean companies. Amazing. Yeah. Really cool sense of style, totally different take on anime. So, yes, The Host, 2006, directed by our man Bong Joon-ho. It was written by him and Baek Chul-hyun. Also, there's going to be a lot of South Korean names. I'm going to do my best. I only I speak Mandarin, not Korean, so it's close, but it's not the same. So I'm just going to try here. Please give me a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I'm really, I'm genuinely trying here. It's just a language that I'm not super familiar with. It's all good. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So we have our stars, Song Kang-ho, Byun Hee-bong, Park Hai-il, who most of you will actually recognize, mm-hmm. Baiduna, and Go Ah-sung. Uh, some great music from Lee Byung-woo. Cinematography from Kim Hyung-koo. Nice. A lot I of think... information right up top. Sorry. Oh, and a box office killer. 11 yeah. million for the budget. 89.4. Uh, that's US dollars. Uh, 89.4 million in box office returns. Incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. Love it. We love to see a king win. We do. We do. <laughs> so do you want to just kind of dive right in with the the plot here yeah we're gonna try and bring this plot out pretty quickly uh there's a lot to talk about on the back end just because this is the first one we're doing in sort of our bong joon ho slash south korean film month Mm -hmm. something i'm a huge fan of and i don't see a lot of coverage on so i'm really really excited about this but i want to kind of get everybody on board with a little history at the end absolutely so let's get through this pretty straightforward plot let's do it kids all right it is the year 2000 a whole thousand years before Jonas Brothers release their famous song. <laughs> we have two doctors. One's an American military pathologist, played by Scott Wilson, and his Korean assistant, played by Brian Lee. Apparently, the military pathologist is very upset with all the dust everywhere on these <laughs> sealed bottles of... Formaldehyde. Ugh. Like, okay. That scent still haunts me from doing dissections and stuff. Ugh. That scent is so awful. It's very distinct. Yeah, it's a very, very particular thing. So... There's a couple of dusty bottles, and the military man decides that because they're a little bit dusty, they all have to go in the drain. Great place for formaldehyde. Yeah, you know. Great place, you know. It's not like it's a very toxic chemical. Yeah, that's that's got it. That's protocol, right? Yeah. <laughs> Standard operating procedure is dump that shit down the drain. Yeah, totally. Doesn't fall into the category of fogs. It's not a fat. It's not an oil. 
it's not grease. So fine, it can go down the drain, right? Oh. <laughs> I just feel like common sense tells you don't do that. Well, because I read this as like a power move, right? So we'll get into more yeah. of the history of this, but American military not occupation of South Korea post the Korean Civil War. Yeah. There was a lot of, I've got to imagine that like these jackass military, American military people who think that they're so much smarter than this backwards race mm-hmm. in their minds. Like I, I feel the racism of it. Yeah. Is what I'm I, trying to say. Is that like, that was all in heavy, heavy scare quotes, by the way. Sorry. That's all. That is, <laughs> I don't feel that way. I want to make sure that I just uh, think that there's a perspective where the American military felt that way about Korean citizen. Yeah. And like, I honestly, when I saw it, saw this scene, I was like, is this like, just the way the actor played it, how mm-hmm. menacing it seemed. I was like, is this like some sort of a terrorist attack? Because everyone knows, like I was saying, um, when I was in high school, there was like a formaldehyde spill from like one of the science classes and they canceled school for the rest of the day. Yeah. And so like they sent us all home so that they could like get it under control. So it's like if you've been to any sort of like science class where you end up having to do a dissection, so like by middle school, high school, mm-hmm. you you know how dangerous formaldehyde is. So I was kind of like, just how menacing he said, yeah, pour it down the drain or like whatever he said. Yeah, because yeah. it's that whole condescending speech. So he's like, the Han is a very broad river. So let's be broad minded. Like, fuck you, jackass. Yeah. So I couldn't tell if it if the at the top of the movie, I couldn't tell if it was just like, you know commentary mm-hmm. or if it was like is this a plot driver in the way right. that like is this a is like this tied a into terrorist the, to the end of the film, ta- yeah. like he's yeah. trying to cause issues or you know kill people or whatever yeah i couldn't tell and it you know it wasn't super clear but honestly either way it's still a really great start to a movie yeah, it's, a it's terrifying start. yeah so over the next we see the next few years Mm-hmm. happen all along the Han River. We see a couple of fishermen in the river. One yeah. of them grabs something out of his cup, grabs like something in his cup and goes, oh, that's they and he and his buddy discuss how gross it is. And there's just that funny thing of like, he almost drops his cup in the river and gets really upset because it was his, his daughter got in that cup. Yeah. It's just this dumb little rinky dink little cup and it's cute. Which is such a, it's such a Bong Joon-ho move. And I'll, I'll keep talking about this, but I love his sense of humor. It's so good. It's incredible. He's got that shitty and grin humor. Yeah, totally, totally. And I absolutely take to it. I love it. Yeah. And then we see a few years later, a suicidal businessman who's trying to jump off of the bridge into the river and is just like staring at the dark mass underneath the water. Mm-hmm. And his two associates, friends, what have you, try to get who are trying to stop him from killing himself don't see it and he just says morons to the last and just jumps off the bridge yeah that that scene was just it's a powerful there's a lot of powerful scenes in this yeah and that one um that one doesn't doesn't come back again i guess it's just like showing you that like this thing has grown because the guy like from the guys with Mm. the cup that are just like looking at like oh how many like tails does this thing or like no how many heads (laughs) like it's gross and then it's huge and this guy just like jumps down into there and it's crazy yeah so i guess uh, plot wise that's what it's trying to tell us is that it's like grown yes this thing that we haven't seen yet so we're in 2006 it seems to be the next day because there's that news report of the guy with who uh, jumped in the river and then only half of his body was recovered. Yes. Was that on the TV? Yes. That's and on then the news. they change yeah. it. This adorable little girl. Yes. His, his daughter. Um, 
Yeah. Comes in there and is like, oh, I want to change it. We want to change it over to like the sports or whatever. Yeah, because auntie is... Auntie is killing it with the... Uh, the ar- archery. The archery competition. Mm-hmm. It, is it... I it's guess like the it's, national competition. Yeah. 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 Because she's going for a medal. And, and so they switch it to that. And we've just got like a really cute family dynamic going mm-hmm. on here. We've we got can the tell father, that her grandfather. Yeah, and we can tell that like they they don't have a lot of money. They own this um, little food cart. Little food, yeah, yeah, little food cart, and where they you know sell snacks and and things like that. And and uh, her her dad is so cute. He she keeps complaining about her phone. Yeah, and he's got this little tin of it um, was previously coins. cup noodle. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah <laughs> and exactly. he's got it hidden behind the boar's head in there. And the weird little boar's head decoration. Yeah, the random <laughs> random boar's head, and um, he's like. He's like, I'm saving up to get you a new phone. And she's like, there are only like pennies in there. He's like, there's some quarters. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all dimes. It's a couple quarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, what's this penny doing in here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, so it's establishing this really adorable um, working class family dynamic. Yeah, it's really sweet. It's a really tight knit family, obviously. And the dad just wants his son to be responsible and not eat his customer's food. <laughs> yeah, he's saying like um, there was like one uh, mat that uh, that complained because one of the squid, squid only had, yeah, it had nine tentacles instead of ten. Like who counts? I would never even count that. Right. I. But I mean, we both worked in the service industry. We know how yeah. crazy people are. So I have never eaten off of a customer's plate. Lies. <laughs> Whatever. So yeah, we have the key family dynamic. We find out that Gongdu's sister. Hyunseo's aunt uh, is a national medalist archer. She's so incredible. The father, Hibong, comes in and is like, yo, you gotta fucking go make this right. Go take them a new squid and mm-hmm. all these beers and tell them it's on the house. And then he sits down to watch. He's like, oh, I can't watch my daughter's matches. I always get too nervous. So and then he cute. ends up sitting down with Hyunseo and they're just cheering and screaming on. And he's got his beer open. She's got her beer with her straw in it. She's like, this is it's so alcohol. Bitter. It's so bitter. <laughs> It's She's cute. fantastic in this. And then Bam. we, yeah, so that gets uh, Gongdu down to the riverfront with all the other park goers, and they start seeing this creature, and they're like, oh, what the fuck is that thing? Oh, it's so gross. Oh, my God. And he throws the beer can in, and it just eats it whole. Yeah. And then all the other park goers just toss all of their trash and shit into the river to try and get it to eat it, and just runs away. Because that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> that was just a funny scene to me uh, of, like, oh, God. They're all, like, trying to film it and get their like they want it's like like a weird instagram challenge sort of thing yeah you know what no I, mean? I feel like i feel like it's a commentary on just like humans in general how right. we're always like trying to provoke things in nature to get like the shot yeah you know like a silly instagram video we did just watch all of tiger king the other day <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's definitely so on the it's, brain it's fresh suddenly the thing attacks and oh and we find out the uncle's a drunk the youngest brother yes so the the giant creature just comes out of the Han River and starts attacking everybody. There's a really cool action sequence here. We see people try to fight it. There's a white American dude who is helping Gongdu, who's very brave in this moment. Dumb, but brave. Well, we don't and we also learn, strong as fuck. Well, don't we learn later that he's um, in the army or right. the military? Yeah, he was a he is a military guy. He loses his arm in the process. That's right. Yeah, and Gongdu gets splashed in the face with blood. Yee. As the attack continues, Gongdu runs past. The food stand again, uh, Grandpa stays inside, but Hyunseo, uh, he grabs her hand and they're running together and they fall down and he reaches back to grab a hand of another girl, of a girl in a, uh, her school uniform 
and starts running and we get that great widening out widening out shot while it's in the slow motion while they're running and another guy we see it's not Hyunseo and then we see another like presumably her father like look at this dude like what the fuck are you doing and grab her hand and run the other direction and we look back and Hyunseo is on the ground and gets taken by the monster just oh my so god heartbreaking. so it's, heartbreaking and uh, and it's funny we've got this juxtaposition here with Gongdu's character where he's supposed to be this lazy good for nothing he's asleep at the beginning on top mm-hmm. of all that like his dad lifts his face up and peels the change off yeah as he fell asleep on there uh oh and we get the introduction of the street kids trying to steal from the cart Yes, which they come in later, so... Yeah, just to mention them now. Yeah. We get this cool juxtaposition of him, like, being the sort of lazy, sort of good-for-nothing. He didn't go to his daughter's bring-your-parent-to-work day. Her un- her drunk uncle went. But it's clearly because he's working, right? Like, that's that whole point of that scene. Yeah, he's definitely... He's one of those characters who truly, like, does his best, does what he has to do. He cares for his daughter so... He's a single father. Yeah, he cares for his daughter so much, but sometimes it's just... Everybody's got flaws. It's hard, yeah. Every one of these characters is so well-rounded. Oh, yeah, everyone has a flaw, and it it all is highlighted and comes into play um, Mm -hmm. in a huge way in this movie, which is, I feel like a lot of... um, a lot of directors don't really flesh that out and i yeah. and i thought that that really humanized all of the characters the fact that he took time mm-hmm. and kind like it yeah it it all really shines through especially in like the last 30 minutes of it which we'll obviously get to well and it's cool that everyone's flaw is their strength too Exactly. Everything that's is a, a double-edged sword. No, that's that's a really cool. Or it comes from their strength or something like that. You know, it's like they're not just. Yeah. No, that's a that's also just like a really cool theme, mm-hmm. and I love that that is you know brought throughout the movie. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we see him be very brave and try to stop this thing, and we also see him try to leap in the river and swim after this fish creature to save his daughter. But we see the fish creatures swallow her. Yes. On the other side of the river. So we're now at a large funeral for everyone who was killed or went missing that day. Uh, and it's this big dramatic scene of everybody screaming. We meet the brother finally, mm-hmm. Nam Il, and the sister, uh, Nam Ju. Uh, the brother shows up just in that full suit and shirt, but just drunk. Like his Drinking shirt's soju out and or something. The, yeah, he's just got a yeah. whole bottle of soju. Um, they keep getting in fights and they get broken up and then we get the quarantine. Uh, we find out that supposedly any exposure to the virus causes like lesions and itching and like all of this stuff. Which we were like, okay, little little on the nose for what's happening right yeah, now. Like we seeing didn't everyone with the masks yeah. and in like quarantine. This whole yeah. And all of this and we were like, damn it. Quarantining a major city. <laughs> we didn't we didn't we didn't mean to do this, but yeah. we're here and Art imitates life. Life imitates art. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully we, just we really don't. We want to watch a good movie. Yeah, Byron Man, Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. God, we love him. So great. <laughs> so they are in the hospital in the quarantine, and they're. Uh, we just have a lot of sort of like we have the doctors who kind of seem to care but are overwhelmed, on the nose, and then yes. everybody gets sort of like separated. This whole the whole Park family gets separated from the rest. Mm-hmm. 
Kong Du is not supposed to eat anything, and of course he goes and like cracks open, he like sneaks open a can of what we think. Most I think it's can like canned squid or yeah. something. And is trying to eat that just straight out of the can, and then his uh, he takes a call. He gets a phone call. Gets a phone call, and it's his daughter. And the the call is breaking up, but it's Yonseo, and he, she is telling him that she's in a sewer and she doesn't know where she is. But it's a large sewer. It's dark. She's scared. Come find her. And then the call drops. Yeah. Or her phone goes dead or something like that. He tries to talk to a cop and let him know. He like he's told his whole family. He tries to talk to a cop and be like, dude, go find my daughter. She's in a sewer. It's large. She's alive. And he like can't get his words right. He keeps speaking like all jumbled. So of course they're like, has he had a psyche val? And we see the compassionate doctor, which I love. Yeah, we, we do. But yeah, this just, I mean, it just brought up a whole... I'll talk about that later. Yeah. Never mind. Yes, we will. So we get the cool dramatic escape. So there's, uh, during the archery competition, the uh, grandfather, Hibong, and Hyunseo had both said, ah, she's too slow. She's always too slow. She takes her time because she runs over the clock. And so she can't win gold. Exactly. Yeah. And so this she is shows, what... and she shows up with the bronze medal. Yeah. And this is what we were talking about with like, their flaws are also their strengths. Like this right. is something that she obviously has gotten to the top of the game at, but once she's at the top, she's like too slow. Yeah. She always takes her time and that always screws her over yes so if we see a great demonstration of that during this escape scene this oh. like fucking little miss sunshine escape scene it is so maybe it's just the van and the family that makes me think that but it it's... totally does like that's totally what it is but it it's so funny it's like so funny. i mean we all love a good escape we yeah. love like the, but we're so used the... to being so intense and like well like the the van's perfect like you've got yeah. the door open and it's like go 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 <laughs> and then like they jump and dive in there and where's no jew and she's just like Putzing around the fucking... Fucking walking. Walking. <laughs> this, again, his sense of humor is incredible. It's always And they, so they scream well like, she's always been so slow. <laughs> and she's just like, kind of like grandma, just like walking. Yeah, and she's got a little like, power walk on. No concern on her face whatsoever. No hustle. No hustle. No pep in the step. <laughs> We're like, can she run? We're not sure. And it's just so funny. And then what's amazing is uh, the little diversion yes. that the brother causes. And then he's just like, he hops out and he like pretends that he's going to surrender. Right. So then the guy with the uh, gun kind of like re- relaxes a little bit. Then he's like, oh, never mind. And like jumps in the, <laughs> in the And van. the guy's like running alongside. He just pushes his face out. He's it's like, just good mm-hmm. physical comedy. Oh, yeah, that scene was one of my favorites of the movie, but just because it's like he he puts in these little relief moments for you that are like such little nuggets of gold that mm-hmm. like it, it breaks the tension in a very in, in a way that also moves the plot forward. And it just makes you like the characters even more. Yeah, because it like you're it endears you to them. Yeah. It makes you think like, you know, I know these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you they feel like full people. Not just little characters moving around. Yeah. So they buy a uh, disinfecting truck, uh, two hazmat suits, not four, (laughs) uh, three shotguns and a little bit of ammo and a a map of the sewers Mm -hmm. and get completely gouged. So everything that Hibong owns goes to these sort of criminal underground guys. Yeah. And then they have to get to the checkpoint. And he has to bribe another official, and he gives him Tianxiao's yeah, phone money. Coins. And Gongdu is just like, no, 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 and he just has to bribe the official and gets passed. So they're in the quarantine zone, and they start searching the sewers, and we have this sort of intercut thing with that and the two homeless kids from before. Mm-hmm. So 
we see them kind of hunting around and this is we hear the first mention of a so they go into the the food cart a, a food cart we i think it's the, supposed to be the park families but i'm not sure yeah because they end up in it too later on yeah so the older brother is sujin and the little brother is suju and so suju wants to take all the cash he sees all this cash laying around he's like oh fuck yeah let's take some cash he's like don't do that that's stealing he's like well we're stealing food and the older brother says no this is seolri yeah which we will get into later when we talk about all the sort of south korean political dynamics um but it is a cool little moment of here's there's a morality to the theft that's happening they take only food they don't take anybody's money they don't mess with anybody's profits it's um the older brother calls it a borrowing game mm-hmm. and yeah well, we'll get into that later but it's a cool concept and we'll talk about that so actually you know what fuck it let's just do it now sure yeah because i had a question is it, is it a little bit like is it a little bit like robin hooding or is it kind of is what i read like because you know if, just in case you've been under a yes. rock and don't know what that term means um it's like you know stealing from the rich and giving to the poor right and this is not clearly not stealing from the rich right i guess it's just stealing from someone who has more than you and these kids right. are homeless and you're you leveling know. the playing field so to speak yeah uh so this is all i was reading this article i found from the encyclopedia of korean folk culture i will drop a link to this article it's very interesting i'm not going to obviously read the thing in full text but it had some really cool history on this concept uh, yeah i put that in our footnotes in the episode description yeah i want to hear about it so the quick version is basically beginning just a little bit prior to the 60s so around the time of the korean civil war or just after the korean civil war in south korea there was this practice of Everybody was sort of the the, the country's war torn, right? Like it, it's recovering, but it is not recovered. It takes a very long time to recover from a civil war, mm-hmm. um, and the effects are very long lasting. And we even see some of those today. So essentially, there were a lot of children who were orphaned because of the war, or whose parents maybe had to, you know, what what parents they had left would have to uh, sort of like leave them. Got it. Because um, they couldn't afford to take care of the ch- child and themselves and all of this, right? Makes sense, yeah. Uh, this is a thing we see a lot in wars and post-war periods. Yes. So there are all these unhoused kids running around in their little gangs who just like helped each other and supported each other and all of that. You have these little uh, essentially communes of small children. Mm-hmm. So they would make a what they called a game out of stealing food. And they didn't really know how to cook it, so they would have the young kids would have to the young kids didn't know how to cook, so the older kids would have to give them food. Right. But the older kids would steal food, and so as they reached their teens, they would they would take take cows or they would, or they would feed cows or fell trees in groups. Other children would release the cows and let them freely feed freely feed. So they would like take these resources, but do it themselves, and they'd be like essentially just cordoning it off from somebody else's farm. Mm-hmm. So if there was a large farm, they would just go and like take a portion of it that the farmer wouldn't necessarily pay attention to. Got it. And do these and create their communities in these like edges of society, basically living in the in between, right in the cracks. Yeah. And so there was a funny thing is that so as some of the older teens they would get bolder and they would start stealing poultry instead of like grain because grain's super easy to steal. Yes. But they would occasionally like start stealing like chickens and things like that. And it said, depending on the amount of poultry being stolen, one could easily assume the age of a chil- age of the children living in a town. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. In a depressing um, way, but funny. Right. <laughs> so they would really just like work together to like sneak around and steal these things because they couldn't feed themselves without family or money. So they used their family unit that they created 
Got it. Of all these young kids. I mean, to... you use what you have, Exactly. Right? So it was basically a culturally accepted form of stealing. People wouldn't prosecute these kids. That, yeah, they, um, that makes sense. As long as they kept it to a certain amount. So that's where we get the, the cash versus food. Right. Thing. Right. So because the that's what the older brother says, and he's like, look, this is not... Like, we don't take the cash, because cash is theft. If we take food, it's jewelry. Got it. So Little that's the distinction. Holes. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. Seolri, culturally accepted, theft, not. Because Seolri wasn't considered theft. It is bar. That's why he says, like, the borrowing game. And basically, it was just to help level the playing field. It was, uh, let's see, what is the phrase it used? Um, that may, I mean, that makes sense, because I think that in every, in every culture, you don't want children to starve. Right. And but, so it was a welfare-based sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense because it's like, what are you going to do with that money, sort of thing? Mm-hmm. But if we know that you know you're just getting food to keep yourselves alive, then I I could see how that just is more acceptable. Yeah, and also it was it, some of the older folks understood that these kids were teaching themselves to farm, so they were oh, learning gotcha. a valuable yeah. skill because when they would steal the grain, they would have to plant the grain plant themselves. And, they would find yeah. their own plot that was on that wasn't taken. Smart. And do that. So this is mostly out in the farming communities, but you would see this in cities as well. Cool. Anyway, that's sort of the overview. Yeah. Um, again, I will post the link to the full article in the episode description because it's a really, really interesting article. No, it sounds it sounds really interesting because it, it it it's not only like these cold hard facts. It, it it talks a lot about humanity. Yeah. As a whole and what we all collectively decide to care about. Yeah. What we deem appropriate and what we don't. Yeah, and enough people clearly deemed this appropriate for it to not become an issue and for it yeah. to be a widely just accepted thing. So that that's why I find it so fascinating, mm-hmm. is that it's something that humans actually agreed on. Yeah, that it was in an unspoken agreement, but I, those, Ex- that's, yeah, exactly. that's what cultural laws are. Like, laws are spoken agreements. Cultural, cultural ethos, it, yeah. mores, all of that, those are unspoken. unspoken. Yeah, mm-hmm. and those tend to be more powerful. Absolutely. So it was a nice aside, right? That's fun. We're yeah, learning. I learned a lot. I yeah. learned a lot. Yeah. So the two kids get captured. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the older one dies, and Hyunseo starts taking care of Seju, the so young cute. boy. He's, He's so, so precious. <laughs> He's so cute. So they are hiding out of the reach of the creature, and she's trying to take care of him and all of this. So the parks then find the same food stall that Seju and his brother uh, and Sejin had found, and that's where where they talk about Seori. And they're all in there, and they make their noodle bowls mm-hmm. and there's that really sweet scene you pointed out last night guys this scene i like it almost i i was too shocked by it to have mm. any emotion it was one of those scenes because it's the family enjoying you know as much as they can and during this time like just time together eating a meal yeah yeah and Yes, I guess that's what a meal is called. No, 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 no. I mean, sorry. I That sounded really douchey the way I said it. What I meant to say is that, like, there's this whole concept of, like, eating versus a meal. No, I get you. I get you. It just sorry. sounded Sorry. I was trying funny. to, like, punch the point there. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Welcome just... to Horror Babes, where Topher's an asshole every week. No, I just I just realized that sounded really funny. Um, but no, they're enjoying a meal together. As opposed to just, you know, eating really quickly. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden... Um, so all of a sudden, Hansio shows up, like it just appears. Right. And and one by one, 
Like, she reaches and grabs something, and that's how, like, the first person notices her, Mm -hmm. and she starts eating. And I believe it's her father who notices her first, and he feeds her something. And then it slowly kind of goes around the table. It's like a, it is a silent, prolonged moment where Mm -hmm. each of them has a chance and hands something to her Mm -hmm. or feeds it to her. And then the scene's over. And it's just, it's beautiful. It is such, it's it's heartbreaking. And like I said, it's like, I was so stunned by it that I didn't even have any emotion. And that's crazy. Right. Like, it's such a heartfelt moment where it's like, it, it just talks a lot. It says everything about a working class family. The solidarity of that. The solidarity yeah. of it. And just how how much of a strain it is to have a child, obviously. Yeah. Um, for, for anybody. But of course, working class families feel that strain the most. But... It's like if you had the choice, you want them there. You want to mm-hmm. take care of them. You want, you don't care if it's an extra, you know, like thousands of dollars on your um, life expenses. It's like, I just want them here. I want them fed and I want them safe. Yeah. And that was what was so touching. There's so much power in that moment. So much power in that moment. And it was so beautiful. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a, I, I love this commentary of on, on class structure. Um, mm-hmm. You don't see the juxtaposition here like you do in some of his other films, but this is one thing that Bong Joon-ho is huge on, and we'll talk more about this later, but I just really wanted to point that out, that this is a great moment of a great moment of commentary that, t- that has no lines, a little yeah. bit of action, but it's just a small, quiet little play for 30 seconds, a minute. And yeah. it, what it demonstrates is the solidarity in the community that it, the working class has it's like this is all we have but this is all we need yes you know it's Mm -hmm. like we just want to sit down and share a meal together because yeah this is all we have but it's all we need Mm -hmm. it's so sweet and the feeding (laughs) of the child together too was that that, that's that it yeah as well as it like the it takes a village sort of thing exactly to raise a child yeah right absolutely Um, and I just, I loved that. I thought that was beautiful. And I think that that's reflected later in the action f- end of the film. Oh, definitely. It comes it <clears throat> in a different way. comes back in a different way. Mm-hmm. But this is the beautiful, quiet moment. Uh, but they spot the creature, uh, take some shots at it, and there's the big chase scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to track it down. Earlier in the movie, he Bong had said the older people, there's a, there's a talk, of, there's talk on, amongst the older people about how if a creature kills a child then it is a responsibility of the people to hunt down that creature and kill it for the sin it's committed. Yes. And he says, I will not rest until I slit that thing's belly open and take Hyunso out of it. Yes. It's just a, yeah, so he makes this, like, promise. Yes. And here he comes to fulfill it. <laughs> yep, yep. So we see, there's also comedy in this scene, too, though, in the action sequence, because once again, uh, Gongdu falls... Yeah. <laughs> Nam Il falls. He won't. They all fall. It's they're like so, chasing. Because they're not so professionals. Goofy. Yeah, it's so goofy in a way. And there's a nice moment of like, I it's, it's I at least appreciate that they all know that how to use a weapon because of, uh, there's a compulsory military service in, I think it's compulsory in South Korea, but I know there's a, there's a, a draft at least still in place. It's like t- you spend two years or something like that in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not sure of that. I don't know this. I, I can't I remember the specifics right now, but sure. I I know yeah. that the I know that there is 
a history there, there's like a there's a tradition of young people performing military service and i think it's two years got it so that it's a, it's a nice background of like oh why do these characters like you every movie we watch where characters are using guns you're like why the how the fuck does this person know how to use a gun yeah, it's, it's kind of like that suspend your disbelief sort of thing in a lot of mm-hmm. action, horror, sci-fi, like, yeah. etc. movies where it's just someone picks up a gun and they all of a sudden know how to use it. Right. And you're just like, what? Ha? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. I, I've shot a gun exactly once, but it was a shotgun and I would not know how to use any other. Yeah. Any other sort of gun. And it's I don't even know how to turn the safety off. I don't know. Yeah. I would die. You know, I, w- I would just be a goner. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I don't know how to transition from that. So I guess I'll just jump back in the plot. Uh, so they're chasing on the creature. They keep firing. They hit it a few times. Like, they definitely injure it. Yeah, he's just a big old guy. So yeah. he's not going to go down after a couple bullets. We also don't know... We also don't know how sci-fi this is at the moment. You know, yes. like, we don't know what's going to kill it. Exactly. So... Nam Il and Hebong, the the brother and the dad, they run. They both run out of shells in the shotgun, and they're being chased back down by the creature. And the military, we see some military guys in the background who are running down the canal, and and this is a tough part because they need help. Yes, but they also can't get caught because exactly. they'll get thrown back into the quarantine hospital and right. everything. So this is kind of a tough moment for them. Yeah, and then it gets even tougher. So. They're both out of shells. Gongdu says he has one left. Tosses his dad. They trade. They have that cool gun toss moment. Oh, of they course. trade the guns. Of and, course. Uh, he and the father is down on the water's edge and is just like so resolute, so about to just fuck this monster up. Yeah. And levels it to take a shot. We have the nice big moment of like this is gonna be great. It's barreling down on him. Pulls the trigger. Nothing happens, and it cuts to Gongdu counting. How many he like you see him counting on his fingers? Yeah, and then he won't dies, <laughs> and it's really fucking sad. It's really sad. Oh, and we have Namil or Namju uh, be, and then we we have another Namju is too slow moment. Yeah, with the uh, with the arrow. Arrow. She gets ready to fire, and she doesn't get the shot off. <sighs> yeah. So, Hebong is killed by the creature. Gongdu just can't console himself and he goes back and holds his father as he dies mm-hmm. and is captured by the military Namil and Namju scatter yeah they ski daddle mm, goodbye so there's a time cut here and it's not clear how long but it has it can only have been a day or two so we see Namil meeting up with an old friend of his from his student days and this is where you learn that Namil is actually very capable Oh my god, yeah. But his seen... only skills he learned in school yeah. were protesting and uh, civil disobedience tactics. Yes. And he talks to his friend, he's like, You were out there every single day with me. How did you do all like how did you like how did you get a job? Like what's your he's like, Oh, I'm just a salary man. He goes, Well, you must still make like sixty, seventy grand a year. And he's like, Yeah, but my credit card debt is that much. And that's when you start suspecting that he's gonna turn on him. Mm-hmm. But they're discussing their protest days, and he's trying to help him find uh, where to locate Hyun Seo because he works at a telecom company. And there's that great scene where his friend goes into the back room to, quote unquote, go look for the real password. Yeah, yeah, right, bro. The the password must be in the manager's of those office. Cops, all of those cops oh just like God. huddled in there with their masks on. And they're like, 
Well, and he keeps asking about uh, Namju as well. Like, where is yeah, she? Yeah, and he's she? like, Namju is going to be tough to find. He's not, yeah. like, giving her location or anything. And they don't know. He doesn't know where he is or, or she is or whatever. And that's when we also find out that he's like, you better be careful. Namil's a real escape artist. So it's like all these things that we're, like, learning about him in these mm-hmm. moments of, like, oh, this dude actually is very, very capable. He's just not a businessman. He's, like, a freedom fighter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where his skill set lies. So he finds he finds the password. Yes, and, and then he like finds where it's like clipped on a little thing on mm-hmm. a post-it, and he he gets all the he gets the information he needs on it. You know, he sees on his map, and he sees yeah. where the phone call came from. He's like, mm, there. And then he's like, hello, I found I found the password. And then and then all these <laughs> cops come out, and he's like, okay. So then we see him like slowly grab like a paper clip and you're like oh God, what's he about yeah, to do with yeah, this yeah, what's he about yeah, to do yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he puts it in the prongs of um of just a plug and then he plugs that in so then everything just like the fuse breaks it's or, like, amazing it's it's incredible i so, loved that moment because it was just such like a quick thing of like what's he gonna do oh yeah so we start seeing that he's super fucking clever he's very very capable We're he's seeing like him. agile yeah He's quick. We're seeing his his pros instead of his cons. We've right. seen like his faults throughout this entire movie. Yeah, he's um, mean. He's a drunk. He's doesn't yeah, have a job. Doesn't even have a job. Like like he's again, Bong Joon Ho's kind of like commentary because if you see you know a, a, in an American film, this guy would have been like a hot shot, like billionaire, like he'd have been a Christian Bale type. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He would have been like my Raised life's all together. Yeah. But it's just so funny that, I mean, even Namju says, like, yeah, there's nothing special about you. Yeah. And, like, and there's just, like, it it makes the character funnier. And, again, it gives this character a lot more humanity to me. Yeah, it rounds him out. You end up rooting for him. Which you were because he was part of this family, but you didn't really, you're, like, you're kind of a dick, dude. Yeah, he's, like, supposed to be the asshole brother, but the fact that he, like, actually isn't, he isn't traditionally successful. Yeah is a nice play on that character and that was just like something that I super appreciated. I kept calling him in my head um, he was a Joe Bluth at the first part of the uh, mm-hmm. he, like he's this like unemployed kind of asshole brother who's just a dick to everyone all the time. Yeah. But he ends up being something completely different like there's not an Arrested Development parallel for the second half of him. Right. But in the first half that's what I think of him as is just like this douchey brother who should be super successful but isn't. Yeah. And then we find out that, oh, no, it's just because the talents he has are no longer useful in the society he lives in. Yeah. So he has this awesome escape sequence Mm -hmm. and calls, keeps trying to call Namju. The phone's not answering because he falls down off the bridge and, like, just fucks himself up. Yeah. And he finally just gets a text off to her. Then we find out that uh, Namju has been sleeping inside of the bridge. Dope move. So... Fuck it, it, like Hunger Games. <laughs> also, amazing shot. Let's Such not discount. A good shot, yeah. Like well, you're every shocked. Every shot in this is incredible. I mean, so. yes. <laughs> but like you're shocked by like what's happening, but then you're also like, oh shit, that's a dope shot. Mm-hmm. Like hell yeah. The transition yeah. from him on the ground sending the text to her waking up in the bridge, like in that little, little part of the tiny. beam in the bridge. Oh, it's so good. Such a good hiding spot. For real. Honestly, I'm like taking notes. Taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> So she goes out and she does her little, like, sneak around recon. We've got our, our rogue type here mm-hmm. for those D&D heads with me out there. So she sneaks around. She gets some batteries. She grabs a portable charger, plugs in her phone, and that's when she gets the text. Yes. Then she goes straight to the Wong Hill Bridge. Mm-hmm. 
is armed and ready for the creature and is looking for Yonsuo. Creature rounds the corner. She lines up the shot. We think she's going to get it. And again, she is too fucking slow. We're seeing a recurring theme here. And she gets knocked into the hole. Yeah. Cuts back to... Now we have, like, Gongdu in the medical facility. This is when we find out that the virus isn't real. That there is no virus. Yeah. But they're, like... The American doctor says there is no virus. There was no virus in the sergeant. The guy from the beginning of the film got his arm ripped off. But... Yeah. Who's now dead. Yeah. And we find out that he died from shock during the surgery. We're right. also finding out that, like, apparently Gongdu is impervious to anesthetic. Yeah, because he's like he's like still feeling it. I'm like, oh my god! And that was that's well, he a just gets part. up and like fights his way through for a minute before he's tackled back down. And yeah. Then, so they they it's gruesome. Yeah, but they they drill a hole in his head. Nam Il. Oh my is, god! That scene where where he's like yelling for. He's offering them everything. Just to, like, let him out of there. He's in, like, a fucking straight jacket. And you yeah. just see, like, them preparing, like, leveling his head and, like... Measuring the angles. Measuring and... the angles and plotting the point. And then, like, the drill starts and you're just, like... Like, the whole scene is just so tense. Because you're just, like, what mm, are they mm-hmm. going to show here? I thought he was going to die. Yeah. Ooh. So, yeah. Um, he... We also get another great moment of the bullshit asshole American... Who, like, taunts him. You think it's caring at first, yeah. and then you find out that he's taunting him to, like, trick him into trigger or something in his eye so that he can say that the disease is in the frontal lobe. Yeah, that was a really disappointing part. Not not, yeah. not for filmmaking, but for that character. It was such a disappointing She's moment. Like, why didn't you reach out to all these people? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And he, God. He, like, he's like, I, I tried. And then, like, and then words the get whole... jumbled up and I just get confused and I try to say things but they don't come out right. And there's the whole language barrier too where they're talking mm-hmm. and he doesn't understand what's going on and it's... Uh... <laughs> it's yeah, this is this is a really gut-wrenching scene to me. That whole thing. Um, but Nam Il wakes back up uh he's with the homeless dude underneath the bridge that he fell under who has dragged him to his his little mat Hilarious. so he can sleep we he's love like, oh, this homeless yeah. dude. honestly he's like he's king. a hero king. of this, of this <laughs> movie. so he yeah he's uh Nami-O's trying to gather but he's like oh i need all these soju bottles i have to get to the long hill bridge where's the long hill bridge and the guy's just like fucking with him he, he smashes <laughs> it's just so funny because he like he watches him just like he's like oh this is a nice bag um yeah. i need all this like all these like soju bottles and you just think like oh this guy's just letting him do it but he's probably just like i don't give a fuck but then he just like hauls off and just smashes his head with, <laughs> with another soju with bottle. another soju bottle and then he like gets up takes like the bag and then he's just like i'm bored today like yeah uh, <laughs> let's go fuck it i fuck can do it. some entertainment yeah so they head off for the Long Hill Bridge. They're in a cab. Dude's like, oh, and he, oh, he has that whole thing of like, what you think money can fix everything? Yeah. And then it cuts to the I'm paying quadruple. I'm paying the I'm paying quadruple fare to the cab driver. Um, we also find out that the United States has said that oh, because of the failure of the South Korean government to properly quarantine and maintain this infected family, we are releasing Agent Yellow. Which is a oh my god yeah anti-biological chemical warfare agent that is super fucking deadly and Scary. super controversial and awful and I hate it. Human rights violations left and right. <laughs> yep. So Gongdu then pulls his masterful escape. So all of these South Korean doctors and nurses seem to believe that the virus is real. 
Mm-hmm. That sort of seems to be the general consensus that the cover up is that they're covering up that the virus isn't real, and it's not clear totally to me what's going on there. But they he she takes this whole vial of his blood mm-hmm. with all these giant ass needles throughout this whole scene. Oh, why are they so big? <laughs> they have to be. I don't know. Look. So he pulls that and he starts threatening everybody with the virus and just this amazing escape. Um, and so now we have everybody descending on the Wong Hill Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hyun and Suju have been hiding out hiding out hiding out they finally were about to escape because they tie all those uh, clothes clothes. together and the nightstick from the cop Mm -hmm. and they get it up there but she can't reach and the creature comes back down she tries to jump off its back it pulls her it grabs her in midair in that super tense scene oh my god my heart froze um and lowers her back down oh we also see it like vomit all the bones up in the beer can and everything that was a great moment yeah um but she tries to escape the creature, and it grabs her and swallows her. And so now Gongdu is down by the bridge. He finds the cavern. Mm-hmm. He finds her name tag. He hauls himself back up, and the creature's there. And there's the big run, and they're all running. Nam Il wakes back up, or Nam Ju wakes back up. She's trying to fire another arrow at it, but it's got uh, Hyunso in its in its mouth. Yeah, so they're they're trying to. It's the tricky moment where it's like you want to. This is kill, where everybody comes together. Yeah, you want to kill the beast, but you don't want to hurt got, her. You don't want to hurt her, so yeah. it's like, what do you do? So there's all these protests and everything, and the people who are protesting the release of Agent Yellow in the center of the city, and just finally we get everybody together. There's a big action sequence. We don't have to go through all of it, but basically, Namil has been making a bunch of Molotovs. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the homeless guy comments, like, I don't think they use these at protests anymore. So it's not for the fucking protest, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they, I, I don't, we don't need to go into fight detail by detail with the fight, but they start fighting the creature. Hyunseo falls out of its, they all get sort of gassed. Yeah. And Hyunseo falls out of its mouth. He pulls her out and she's still holding Seju. Mm-hmm. She's not waking up. And there's all this Asian yellow everywhere, and they all have their amazing talents. And Gong Du fucking fights, dude. He pulls that whole ass pole off the ground with the concrete base. I mean, he's and like just, smashes it like a fucking video game character. He's just got he's got so much to fight for now. I mean, he's yeah. pissed. He's yeah. like he's like my family is in like shambles now because yeah. of this thing. So it's yeah. But he's we see Namil throwing all the Molotovs. He's barely missing, but he's getting close. He's getting close. Homeless dude's just got that big-ass ca- uh, canister of gasoline helping him out. Oh, my God. It's amazing. All of a sudden, he just like, walks on the little scaffolding yeah. thing, and, and he just, like, it's like gotcha, bro. dumps <laughs> gasoline on this thing. And I'm just like, yes! And fuck yeah. goes to throw it, and it drops behind the him. The last and, one uh, that he has. It dro- and, I mean, just... Your heart. Your heart. And I think both of us went like... <gasps> yeah. And Nam Ju comes in to save the day oh with the flaming arrow. She finally gets the shot off. She hits it right in the fucking eye. Whole thing catches on fire. It queen. won't die. Can yes. I tell you the cinematography in the moment this queen yes. has? It's like she... she So she gets like from, you know, the... the uh, it, it's still on fire on the ground. She, mm-hmm. you know, like lights uh, the end of her... Or she sticks the... She grabs the rag. Yeah, there's like a rag with it. Yeah. Anyway. um, And it's just like the wind's blowing in her hair. Yes. We've got just like the perfect angle, the archery angle here. Mm -hmm. And she's just like ready to fucking go. And she ain't slow this time. Nope. She gets the the goddamn shot. And then Gongdu stabs it in the throat and it dies. 
Hyunseo's dead. That was a great moment too because yeah. it's so slow. Mm-hmm. The pole that he has. And the detail of that circle in his hand. In his hand. Oh my god. Guys. Uh, guys. This is. We were both so in such good moods after this movie yesterday yeah, because it's pumped. so good. <laughs> <laughs> Hyunseo is dead. He takes Seju, wakes him up. The family sort of separates after that. Mm-hmm. We don't see Nam Il or Nam Ju again in the film, but it's months later, it's winter, and we see. Gongdu no longer has the blonde in his hair. He's hanging out in his little food cart with Suju, making them food, hanging out, watching TV together. And we see him like try, like he sees lights off in the distance and he like gets ready with the gun. Mm-hmm. They keep going. So it's clear that he's like not supposed to be living there, but he just refuses to do anything else. He's got all the photos of his family everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's that cute moment where he's like, oh yeah, I really want that wanted poster. Like they got my uh, civil photo in there. And he's like, I look good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I should, we should get a photo of that for Hyun Sil when we get out. <laughs> yeah. When we, when we save her. And he's got that framed on the wall. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. And... They, him and his new son, Seju, sit down and share a meal together. There's that moment uh, that Seju is like, oh, uh, this is all, they're talking about the the cover up and the, the hoax of the virus and everything like that on the TV. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is, I don't like this. This is boring. Can we watch something? Or uh, he said, oh, you want me to turn it to? He goes, oh, let's just turn it off and enjoy this meal together and have a, just have a nice meal together. Yeah. And just like sit down and enjoy each other's company. The kid says that, and I love that. And so he's just like, yeah, yeah. it's the comedy of Gongdu trying to turn off the TV with his toe because he can't find the clicker. Yeah. And they just sit there, and it, the final shot of the film is just, it's a wide, a slow widen out as they just sit there and eat their, their breakfast together. Yeah, which is what we were talking about with, like, mm-hmm. the coming around full circle with just, you you do what you can with what you have. And I think it's, like, such an amazing bow on this yeah. film that he took in. Mm-hmm. Took him in, and, yeah. yeah, and it's just it's so sweet, and yeah, it just ties into the whole value of you know this family. Absolutely. But yeah, so that that's the end. That's, that's the end. Plot, yeah. That's it. That's yeah. it. It's such a wonderful film. It really, really I, is. So yeah, this movie is wonderful. I I, I have think nothing it's... but praise for this movie. I I, I want to be like objective and a good film critic and all of this shit but I have fucking nothing bad to say about this movie <laughs> guys I'm gonna say this I'm gonna say this now it it is at least tied for my favorite horror movie it's up there it's a top tenner for me like the bitch is mine is my number one but this one I just I don't know yet it might have just knocked it to number two I don't know it's definitely up there it's in my top two faux show um, the thing is still my favorite that is fair aliens um, up there Halloween is up there. This one is such a contender, though. It's a real contender. It's like, so fucking good. Just from front to back, honestly, it's it's so good. And I I would I have to imagine that at least one of the writers on like Stranger Things has at least seen this, if not right? taken direct like inspiration from it, because the whole time I was kind of just like I kept relating it back to that plot. You know, you've yeah. got a stolen child who mm-hmm. is somewhere that we don't know where. I mean, of course, in Stranger Things, it's more, there's more sci-fi elements. There's a whole realm that we, you know, that they're stuck in. But like, there's a big monster. I mean, the Demogorgon even looks like this monster with the Absolutely, whole like splayed yeah. mouth thing. Yes. So I would have to imagine that at least one of the writers of Stranger Things was smart and, you know, saw this movie for what it was which was amazing <laughs> and yes. decided to expand upon it and throw some 80s on it 
Yeah. You know? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I just kept thinking that I, I think that this movie inspired a lot of things that we've already seen. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good bit of film history for you. Not that Tarantino's word means that much, but this and Parasite are two of his like top 10 favorite films. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the, this is considered like one of the films of the century from South Korean film. Hell yeah. Uh, it's, it's just an absolute, incredible, absolutely incredible film. Um, from top to bottom. And a lot of that is because it's so mired in the actual history of South Korea, mm-hmm. which I love. So there's a lot of that that's going on in here. And Give we mentioned a little history. bit of that. Yeah, so Give us some history. Time baby. for Tove's History Corner. I can't wait. I'm about to learn so much. Ready. <laughs> so I will say I am not a historian. And I'm you also. Aren't? I know. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just read a lot. I'm breaking up with you. Oh, this is it. not what I thought I was getting myself into. <laughs> Guess I gotta learn how to be a historian now. Yeah, my dream has always been to be with a historian. So. All right. Well, I guess that's. Uh, I guess that's where we are now. <laughs> Podcast canceled. <laughs> Welcome to Horror Babes, where Topher dies every week. <laughs> All right. So there's a lot of history in this uh, that I have read about. Even so, I guess I. Uh, I'm a. I'm not a real historian. I'm. I just play one on this podcast. Great. Someone cool. has to. <laughs> I just get bored and I stay up later than you do and I read things on the internet I'm and just research so tired, it. guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, dear God, are we ever going to talk about the history of this film? So, we heard a lot about student uprisings in this. And we also, there's a really sweet moment when Gong Du is asleep in the food cart and his father is lecturing his siblings about how they treat him. So like, oh, he's so dumb. Da, 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 da. He's just a big, lazy, fat ass. All this shit, right? And his father's like, okay, you, here's what you two need to fucking understand. Yeah. <laughs> this child is amazing. I love this boy. And I'm making up for lost time with him, too. Because you don't remember this. You either weren't around or you were too young to remember what he suffered through. So... What he's referring to is there was an 18-year-long authoritarian regime uh, under one president in South Korea. So the South Korea post the Civil War was a, a quote-unquote democracy, but not really. So the president, Park Chung-hee, uh, had reigned for 18 years. Mm-hmm. And I did the math on, on uh, uh, Gongdu's or Gongdu's. Uh, I did the math on Gongdu's age and then like where it lines up and everything. So he was 36 in the movie. It takes place in 2006. He would have been born in 1970 right. or so. Right. What that means is he would have been nine when the president was assassinated. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the Rajan ruler who'd been in power for 18 years. Yeah. So because of that world they were living in when he was little and his father was, he said, his father said he was like, I was off every, I was out every night. I was fighting. I was drinking. I was doing these things. Like I just was not around. I was an absentee father. Mm-hmm. And he is the opposite of that. He is so hands-on. He loves his daughter. He spends all of his time with her that he can. And he works like hell in this stupid fucking cart with me every single day. To get his daughter a new phone. Yeah. And he even says, the father even says, you don't see him. You don't, I work every day in this stupid little cart with him. Mm-hmm. I can tell by his farts if it's going to be an A plus or a B minus day. <laughs> he's like, he's not an idiot. He's a very smart kid. But, like, something happened to him when he was young. Something, he, like, he mentions, like, an accident. And, like, something happened to his head. So mm-hmm, he's got, mm-hmm. like, a, he's got some sort of brain damage. Yeah. 
is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But he's it's not and not in like a uh, he's not slow. He's not stupid. He just misses things. And I connected yeah. with that a lot because like I've had a few concussions and I definitely have like holes in my yeah. memory. And yeah. like you've seen me try to remember things sometimes and I just can't. Yeah. And it's just like small stuff like that that you just can't fix. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't sympathize with that because yeah. for for people who have that, I think it's Oh, he says he get he would get beat up all the time. That's what it was. Yeah. So well, I just think I think it's incredibly frustrating for those people. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, you can you you relate to that. Yeah. And I don't think that people sympathize with that Mm-mm. enough. No. That like they don't want to not remember something or they don't want they don't want this to be yeah. happening. Yeah. It's they're they're probably more frustrated with themselves than you right. are with them. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, that's that's hundred percent. And like it relates to people who have like stutters and things like that too. Like I had a professor in grad school who had a stutter, mm-hmm. and it's not that he didn't know. What to, like, he's fucking brilliant. He's one of the like top uh, meta ethicists in the field. Yeah, he's a really fucking smart dude. Yeah, and it's such but bullshit just, when like, people discredit people's um, intelligence because they have something that they can't control. Yeah. Like what the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so there's that really nice speech about that, mm-hmm. but that ties into the sort of like what he grew up under. So then we have that the sort of establishes the age gap between him and his younger siblings. Yes. So Nam Il, we mentioned, was a protester, a student mm-hmm. protester. But like, well, okay, you're like, oh, well, South Korea is like, you think about it like in 2020 terms, you're like, South Korea is great. Like, what the fuck? Like, they've got BTS. They're good. They've got K-dramas. Like, right. But you're like, you're like, they weren't always. Yeah. Obviously. So, because obviously, yeah. So that's the background that there was been this yeah. authoritarian regime, but that ended in a coup d'état. So after the assassination, another president took over, and the military uh, performed a coup. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know how to phrase that right. Anyway, there was a coup by the military. Staged a coup. Staged. That's the fucking phrase. Thank you. Military staged a coup, but it's a welcome. silent coup. Thank you. I am a horse historian. I can't even say it. You're a horse story. I'm horse historian. That's a horse girl historian for y'all. Damn it! Damn it! So. Essentially, the leader of the Defense Security Command, uh, this this officer in this in the Korean South Korean military, staged a silent coup and then came out with it and then like all this stuff and so the basically it was civil unrest until uh, the late eighties. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was then the basically the whole student generation of the eighties, mm-hmm. people who would have been in college in the eighties, university, whatever, like high school to that like the younger age, right? Yeah. There was all these uprisings throughout the 80s and some very public deaths of citizens and, like, military force used against citizens, like, mm-hmm. blatant attacks. Like, um, I was reading there was um, apparently there was a reinvent there was a they reopened an investigation into all of this a few years ago. Mm-hmm. The president at the time of South Korea did. Yeah. And they found that there were, like, helicopter attacks against, like, helicopter gunships firing on their own civilians. Shit. Yeah, there was a lot of brutality. Like, we talk about how violent protests can get student movements across Eastern Asia, like we're seeing in Hong Kong right now, mm-hmm. um, and have been for months, uh, are different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, like, we know Tiananmen Square. Mm-hmm. That was a student uprising in China, student uprising in Hong Kong now, and student uprisings that have a long history in South Korea, mm-hmm. or in Korea in general, because I guess it was before it was divided as well, during the Japanese occupation. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something we'll get to in other movies that we talk about when we talk about more South Korean film because we're going to do a lot more, y'all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> y'all going to have to learn how to read. Yeah. Yeah, can we stop this bullshit where people don't watch films because they have to read the subtitles? You're missing out on so much. Our comrade and brilliant leader, Bong Joon-ho, said the exact same thing. 
Learn how to fucking read. He's like, yeah, they call it foreign films because they have to read during it. (laughs) Yeah. Put down your phone and just... Still love that he called the Oscars a national or a regional award ceremony. I love him. My my love for him knows no bounds. It just won't stop. It just keeps. It just keeps getting. It keeps growing. It's like even during the episode (laughs) we're recording this, and I just get happier and happier. The heart swells. (laughs) But yeah, so there was a there's anyway there's been a long a long history of uh, student protests and student led revolutions Mm -hmm. in in Korea specifically and South Korea. So it all ended in eighty seven eighty eight was like the final nails in the coffin. Mm-hmm. of this authoritarian regime it just got like it became too public and it became internationally seen like it yeah. was it was no longer just like an isolated incident within the country yeah the world started seeing it and that's when they finally caved and then like all these different historians say like the only reason that South Korea has a true democracy these days is yeah. because of students fighting and dying mm-hmm. against this government yeah so I really love the power of that yeah but there's a nice commentary here in this film with Namil. That character is a wartime character. Mm-hmm. If we were seeing him in a movie about the student government revolutions, he would be our hero. Oh, yeah, for sure. He would be for the sure. major protagonist. Absolutely. Like, we would root for him. He would be our Captain America, right? Yeah. Just out yeah. there fighting the good fight. Mm-hmm. But because we see him outside of that context, he doesn't know how to adapt to a world that isn't that. Because his youth was spent doing this and learning this and he says specifically like i didn't learn in school i went to college but i don't have a job because i couldn't learn anything mm-hmm. it's like I, he's like there's no jobs for me he even he says that multiple times he's like i've i've it's not that i haven't tried to get a job i'm not unemployed by choice but yeah yeah i'm just not like yes i finished school but i'm not that which is a scary thing in itself and i think that that is something that a lot of people can relate to as well mm-hmm is just like what now sort yeah. of thing yeah so yeah he would have been i don't know he's just like they, they, every character in this film is really interesting and, and so we can also point to he bong this father who clearly would have lived through the civil war mm-hmm. age wise mm-hmm. uh, would have been a younger man during the civil war would have been he said he was often like just like coping and all this stuff and like his wife was gone for some reason. Like we don't. There's a lot of absent mothers in this, which I find interesting. I do too. I wonder is is that, it dead mom syndrome or is it just that like? Is that more of like? And this is honestly just coming from a place of I don't know because mm-hmm. I think in America culturally we have the absent father. Right. Right. Like if you're watching a movie where the mother isn't present, it's because she like died in childbirth or like or died in other ways, but. Um, it's so often in childbirth. <laughs> yeah. So then the character has to blame themselves, blah, blah, blah. Right. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, Macbeth. Yeah, no, it's, it's true, though. That's yeah, like no, 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 no. It's, it's a, it really is. Um, I'm just... Yeah. So I'm wondering if in South Korea, that if that is the cultural norm in, um, in TV film. I just I wouldn't don't... go that far. I don't think so. I just so. don't know enough about it yet yet is what I yeah, say yeah 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 so I the few that I've seen I've seen a several I should say um, I'm a big big fan so I want to talk just like a, a, we're just sort of this is not going to be a structured discussion right now we're just sort of we've got points we want to hit but I just want to we're going to kind of rotate through so try to keep up <laughs> you're pros you can do it so yeah yeah y'all are great so 
I fell in love with South Korean film a few years ago. Uh, I had never really seen much of it mm-hmm. until probably five, six years ago mm-hmm. is when I started seeking them out because I had seen so many on lists of horror films to watch. Yeah. So obviously Host was on there. Yes. Train to Busan was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a handful. I've mainly seen more of like K-dramas. Yes. Um, which is, you know, just a little different, obviously. But I've I've dipped my toes in and now I want to dip my whole foot in. Well, you were in a K-drama. I was, guys, for like <laughs> a second. It's great. I'll post the uh, screenshot from it at some point. It's so great. Maybe I'll do it. I'll do it after the this episode drops. <laughs> <laughs> so K-drama star Nicole has now joined me on my South Korean film odyssey that I've just been going through for the past few years. I, there's just some really, really great ones. Uh, there's going to be some ones that we also cover here, but what I've there's this beautiful one called The Silenced that's uh, about young girls at a school during the Japanese occupation of South Korea that I absolutely love. And then there's The Wailing, which is one of my absolute favorite ones. It's so fucking long, and it's a weird act structure and all of this, but god damn, is it fucking gorgeous and so well acted. So have you noticed any... Are, are the moms present in all the other ones that you have watched? More or less, yeah. Okay. I, that's, that's what I so mean to say. Is it like, yeah, that's what I was trying to get. Is that like, I haven't seen that reflected in other ones. I think this is just a choice made here. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Uh, and I'm trying to, under- I'm not sure what that choice is. Is all, this is this, okay, I can say one bad thing about this movie. I don't understand the choice of missing mothers. And that's not because a bad thing necessarily. Missing. Yes. Yeah. So I, well, all I will say with that is that I, might just be something that I don't understand. Like, there may just be a cultural divide there that I'm supposed to understand, and I don't. And yeah. I'm sure that a lot of people would feel that way, like, watching Absentee Fathers in American TV and film. Like, why are the totally. dads gone? Like, why, or, why like, in they, the yeah. 80s when you had all the dead moms in sitcoms. Yeah. Like, every sitcom yeah, had a dead mom. every sitcom had a dead mom. Party and that, five, was a parale- <laughs> well, and that was a parallel <laughs> for that. divorce. Yes, yes. There was a way to talk about divorce because divorce rates spiked at that time mm-hmm. uh, in the 70s and 80s. And so everybody was making films because suddenly like the, the, the quote unquote broken home yeah, was, I guess a, that's was a new what, genre. Yeah, I guess that, that is the so, question that I'm trying to ask is, is yeah. like, um, was there a reason for that or is it just like... Is it just a choice? Yeah, a and, choice, I, and I'm not sure. Choice. Yeah, so just, just in the lack of clarity there. Uh, is that is a mark against it from an American lens, and I want to be very clear with that. Mm-hmm. I think again, anyone who is um, shying away from them because you have to actually pay attention and read, like you're you you are missing out. They're beautiful, horrifying, amazing films. Yeah, uh, honestly, and I would, this is my little this is my last little tag on that. I love watching subtitled movies because they actually force me to engage. Yes, I, I think, can't be on my phone. I can't yeah. be on my computer. I can't be doing something else. I, agree I have with to that. stay. I have to stay engaged. Like, I agree it's with so that, easy yeah. to disengage with films these days, and I have a really hard time with that. Same. I, I think everyone does. I think I think everyone can relate to that statement because it, one thing leads to another. You know, like someone texts you, sends you a message on Instagram. Yeah. One thing leads to another. You've you've been tuned out of the movie for thirty minutes. Yeah, and you lose the entire pacing, the flow, all of that. And I don't. I don't. I don't think that. I mean that. That's just. A thing that we have to realize is mm-hmm. is within us and if you're watching a movie with a friend maybe put your phone in the other room if someone calls you obviously if there's an emergency turn it maybe turn it on like the ringer but like yeah 
don't maybe don't have your phone in the room. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what we're in the, the quar- We're deep in the quar right now. Yeah, this is a person I don't know. This movie is free is. on YouTube, by the way. Free, yeah, free with with minimal ads. Like yeah. there was maybe one. I think um, yeah, we had one at the beginning. And the rest were just like pop ups. Yeah, and you could skip them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's no reason to not watch this film. <laughs> it's it's compl- as of April first, mm-hmm. two thousand and twenty, the year of our core, two thousand twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty. <laughs> It is free on YouTube, and absolutely every single one of you should go watch it. Yes. And every single other one of his films. We're going to be covering Parasite later this month. Hell yeah. Uh, we are debating the others that we're going to cover. There's two others. We're just basically going to run a special month. Yeah. This month. And I think we'll do a horror nah on Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a must cover. You know, we got to talk about it. Yeah. But there's a couple of his other films that we were sort of talking about, talking about. I uh, will have a very special guest back to talk about Parasite. We yeah. won't say who yet, but... Yeah. It's going to be a fun a fun month. Um, in, in regards to this film, I kind of just have one more topic I want to discuss. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I wanted to get back into the South Korean film, too. Oh, but okay. Yeah, yeah, but go ahead. Big, no, we should finish that. And oh, yeah, because we took more. that long trip. We did. Uh, Might have to cut all that out. No, nah, I won't. <laughs> Refuse. So, you... <laughs> I'm not going to edit audio. Fuck that. It's pure. It's raw. I will cut that. Um, so one of the things I've, I've noticed a lot about South Korean film in general is this just absolute loving care they devote to cinematography. Yes. I am running through my head of all these films I've watched from this, that have been produced by this country in some way or another. Every last one is fucking gorgeous from start to finish. There's not bad mm-hmm. shots. There's not bad shots. Just the the shot selection, the 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 transitions, the filters and gels and lighting and post production. There's such loving care with making the film look pretty. Absolutely, and I appreciate that like, so much. Like, we'll talk about Snowpiercer more, but one of the things I love about that film is just how interesting it looks. Mm-hmm. It's riveting. The colors are super deep. The lines are really crisp. Like, it's clearly had a lot of post-production on it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in a way that's such a light hand, where it's yeah. just deepening of shadows, you know, you're crushing your blacks, pumping your whites, all these sorts of things in this every, every single frame. Mm-hmm. which is juxtaposed against the brutality of that world. And that's the other thing I want to talk about is Bong Joon-ho's brutality, which we'll sort of keep talking about as themes. Absolutely. But Absolutely. The brutality of the worlds he creates, is just, that he puts in his worlds, is just tough. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about how brutal the scene is with the, the first time we see the monster full grown. Mm-hmm. Watching these people be like gulped up or stomped or tossed. Yeah. Like the the you feel the hits. Ugh, when they like hit the ground or hit you know whatever. Yeah, it's, it's real bad. Like um, when the dad gets his head split open. That's that's cool. a yeah. It's it's heartbreaking, but it, you feel it. Yeah, and that's something he doesn't like, half ass things. No, that's for sure. And it's something that I always really appreciate when I talk about like good gore and things like that, right? Yeah. Um. There's gore like we've 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 talked about gore with intention and things like that on the podcast before, especially Absolutely. in horror. Nod. Um. I think Joseph and I were the first ones to have that conversation on here, but it's been brought up with Shannon and other members of uh, other guests we've had on the podcast and you and I as well. Yeah. But there's other vectors to gore too, because I think gore is like a critical part of of the horror genre. Oh, for sure, and it it, it defines the genre for certain for some people. Yeah. not for me personally. I think no, it's um, if but, it advances the plot, then absolutely put it in there. But, but this is also world building gore. 
No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which and I think falls under Gore's intention, but... I think it does. I think it does. I, I agree with you there. Because, I mean, again, I'm just... Um, I feel like I'm scarred from growing up during the... Um, the the times of saw yes where the I torture just, porn era the torture porn torture porn the torture porn of saw and i think that's why i have such strict guidelines in my mind of yes. what is necessary and what is just like okay you're just showing off or yeah rob zombies like that too he's just yeah. doing gore to do gore yeah exactly and i i don't and there's an art house version that. of that but yeah yeah I don't know. It's it's also just one of those like things. Like I know it when I see it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's tough. It's tough. Are you a conservative judge talking about pornography? Oh, stop it. So, I think this is just I I just wanted to bring this in just because it's such a cool theme for him. There's a there's a discussion, and I'm gonna go a little far afield again, and then come back in. I'm, I'm gonna go take right, a take we'll a I'm gonna take you. a walk. Yeah, we're well, following down the path. I trust you. Let's go. So there's this sort of commentary discussion in video game journalism and critique where you talk about controls and are they grounded or are they floaty do they snap are they crisp or Mm -hmm. do they float around and there's reasons to have both Mm -hmm. like there's some it's good for some things to be that way it's it's good for some things to be floaty it's bad for others to be floaty right sure and it depends on how you want the game to feel and all these things right it's how you design this Mm -hmm. to, to how you want the world to work and what the rules are of that world gore is the same way to me there is floaty, sort of meaningless, sort of... I, I, I want to use the word floaty for this reason because it's just... It doesn't feel like it has, it's grounded in the world and it doesn't feel like it happens, right? Got it. So I would say, like, um, a lot of, like, sl- uh, like hack and slash. Not slasher, but, like, hack and slash, mm-hmm. like, medieval-type sort of things. Mm-hmm. You see all these sword fights and people just ripping through each other. Like, um, uh, lightsaber fighting. Yeah. Or, like, when people are, like, we just were watching the pre- Star Wars prequels. Mm-hmm. And those lightsaber hits never f- land. Yeah. As to the audience member, right? You don't feel the stab or the slice when no. all these random people are being done because it doesn't look like they're being hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. Really, really good gore. You feel. Totally, and you I can actually mm-hmm. physically feel it. It's not. It's not like an abstract thing. It's like ooh. It's a. And that's what I mean by it's an I know it when moment. I see it. Yeah. yeah, it's an empathetic moment. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to, I, I don't mean that in the psychic sense. I just mean that in the mental, like, phys- brains are physical. There's nothing else to them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> sort of sense. It's like you can look at that and you know how that should feel. And so it, it's it's that verisimilitude sort of thing that I've talked about. Mm-hmm. I, I just love that. And so his gore is always very, very grounded. Like, I don't see him see get a hand chopped off and think like, oh, weird. Because I watch movies where that happens, right? I've yeah. seen plenty of films where it's just like, oh, the hand's cut off. Okay, well, that's done now. Yeah. But the the sound, it, it all comes down to the way it's filmed, the sound design, the foley, all of that. Yeah. That goes into this, even just down to the practical effects of it and the, and the digital effects of it. Yeah. What does it mean when you get a hand chopped off? What does it mean when you hit your head on the ground? What does it mean when you get stabbed in the gut? Those sorts of things. When you get punched, yeah. what does that feel like? And I love that about this film. No, absolutely. And all I of his work. Well, yeah, there there was not a gory moment in this film that I felt like was not. I'm gonna use the strange word of like earned. Like it, it like nothing. That's hundred percent the way you put that. Like nothing felt out of place. No. It 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 all made sense. Like this monster was mm-hmm. pretty insane, pretty intense. Yeah. And then you've got also like the medical gore. Yes. You know, like all of that was obviously well placed and. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I think th- at no point was I like, oh, that's unnecessary. Yeah. I also don't want to do the thing that everybody was doing around Parasite, which was praising the technical aspects and not praising the acting. Oh my God, the acting in this film is... Incredible. So our lead is oh such a good actor. He's in a bunch he's of other so stuff. So good. So he's also in Snowpiercer. He's in Parasite. Yes. He's been in all of these like major, major... Like every time he's in a movie... It's a critically acclaimed movie. You know, you know they got good actors when like, like even, even the children, the child actors in this were incredible. Yeah, they hit their marks. They found their light. They did their fucking job, and they did it well. Oh, it was so good, um, so good. And the um uh the dad mm-hmm. in this, Bjorki Bong. His name is the same in the movie. As oh really? Movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. He won me over from the beginning, but a turning point... He's such point, a cute dad. Well, the turning point for me with him as an actor was when he did that huge speech about, like, you... Uh, to the the brother and sister about, like, yeah. you guys need to fucking cut this shit out. He's been through some shit. And, like, that that monologue from him, compl- I, I was just like, yep, I'm sold. Yeah. He but really yeah. just is such... <sighs> yeah, the acting in this is... is certainly top-notch and Mm -hmm. it's just another reason to watch it guys if you haven't seen it come on it's come on and i really just i mean everybody in this movie we've talked about it before everybody's showing up and doing their fucking job this is a movie where everybody showed up and did their fucking job precisely it's it is clean cut it is it is there yeah it is there all everything just worked together Mm -hmm. um yeah i just i cannot say enough I can't say enough good things about this movie. It just keeps being good, good, good. Every single thing I think about, I'm like, oh, I go, f- I pull, I probe further. That's amazing. I probe further. That's amazing. I probe further. That's amazing. Like, yeah, and and going off of that, the one kind of like last thing I wanted to bring up, yeah, about this movie is that like we've got a lot going on here, right? We've mm-hmm. got we've got a monster, we've got um, children um, in danger. Mm-hmm. But we know that they're still alive for the time being. And then we've also, and we've got like um, commentary on like government and all of this stuff, which is scary within itself as well. Just yeah. like that power that they have. And then kind of like the fourth thing that we have here is the whole uh, medical staff not believing our main character. Yeah. It's kind of like the, uh, I, I feel like I bring this story up so often, but uh, it's kind of like the horror of Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. where it's like gaslighting in a, in a way. It's like yeah. it's like they're saying that this isn't happening to him. No one's willing to listen. And how scary is that? I mean, they literally go and like take out a piece of his brain. Guys. Yeah. Like... Like a mini little lobotomy. A mini lobotomy. And that is, and all because they were just like, oh, we can prove that this person, that like this non-existent virus has gone to this person's brain and we can't convince, you know, anybody else otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, that that in itself is terrifying to me that no one is believing him that his child is alive and no one's wanting to help except for his family who they're already after. So there's the risk on top of that of them being captured and the same thing happening to them yeah and so there's there's that at the core of it and then around that is like 
everything else that layers on top and just makes it even more horrifying. So yeah. we've got like a lot going on in this movie, but you never as a as a viewer feel like overwhelmed and like you don't know what's going on. No, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't feel choppy. It doesn't it, it all works together and it all just comes into this horrifying narrative. Yeah. It's funny. It's um I, I think one of the reasons I love Bong Joon Ho is that he's not afraid of being simple. No. I think people you and I have talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually talking about this with singers the other day, and like, yeah, and, and, there are and no bells writers. and whistles per se in this movie. Not a goddamn one. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of that extra plot with the Americans going on. Yeah, that's kind of in the background, but it's more it's wallpaper, if anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. set dressing, right? Yeah, but I think he, so many directors and writers want to, they think that because it's complicated or convoluted, it's good. Like yeah. I've said this time and again that. I think that the only reason people think Fight Club is amazing is because it's complicated. Or that Inception right. is good because it's complicated. It makes you want to like watch it Because you you're know, trying to unpack it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Nolan yeah. is very, very guilty of this. I think he's successful in doing it a lot of times. Like, I'm not saying anything against Inception. I'm saying things against the fans of Inception. <laughs> and, the, and like, mm-hmm. uh, I think... People who only like movies who, that are like that yeah that's like, the problem like Nolan is yeah. like the opposite I would say so of, of Bong Joon-ho so he's got mm-hmm. Memento convoluted mm-hmm. plot Inception convoluted plot Dark Knight's even kind of convoluted like even his like big blockbuster films are a little bit like um, um, Interstellar's like that like all mm-hmm. of these movies he does are all sort of like tied in a thousand they're a Gordian knot they're just like a thousand knots within each other yeah and Bong Joon-ho is Alexander the Great coming up to the Gordian knot and saying fuck it I can just cut the knot in half yeah that's Absolutely. untying the knot, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I love I love that about him. I love yeah. that um that all of his stuff pretty much just goes back to a very basic set of values. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's very refreshing the simplicity, but then there are also layers to his character. Absolutely. Well, they, I think that, he builds a beautiful world. I think exactly. That everyone can relate to. I think he's able to do that because he sticks to these simplistic sorts of things. Absolutely. Because he uses simplicity to his advantage, mm-hmm. he's such a better writer and director than so many other people out there. This is why we wanted to do Sorry, this is the background here. This is why we wanted to do this is because yeah. I think that even though yeah, he just won a bunch of Oscars and made them make out uh favorite Stan. <laughs> uh we think he's an undervalued director particularly in the horror genre because he bends the rules of what we consider horror and we want to really start moving out with y'all to more horror that's not just american mm-hmm. or western european yeah um i think that was a nice we would be doing you a disservice if we only stuck to american films like, yeah what <laughs> um like we have a couple of Persian films in the docket that we're gonna do. Like we've we've got a bunch that we're gonna we get in here, and, and I I'm excited to share all these with you. But this is how we sort of wanted to kick off the expansion of the podcast. Yeah, was with this Bong Joon Ho month, and it, again, it's because the man's just a fucking legend. I think he's easily up there with one like hit for hit with Carpenter for me. Yeah, as a director. Yeah. Um, because like I think and I think they're very similar directors right so I want to yeah. sort of compare here and talk about why Bong Joon-ho is such a great horror director and writer right he let's talk about The Thing real quick right okay The Thing is a pretty straightforward plot yeah there's a thing it imitates people they have to stop it from leaving the base yeah that's it yeah that's the fucking plot of The Thing yeah 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 a bunch of people die yep <laughs> sorry spoilers for The Thing yeah it's been out for fucking 40 years. Get a get a life. 
all those characters have moments and flaws and there's like 12 fucking characters in that and you know something about every single one of them they're all distinct distinct characters mm-hmm. right you saw it for the first time uh, a few months ago and you were able to keep track of every single character even though there's a thousand fucking characters in it right yes and there's a world that you mm-hmm. know about it's because there's nothing extraordinary happening yeah there's nothing there's, there's nothing extra happening yeah it's all just sort of ordinary shit in an extraordinary situation Mm-hmm. Halloween's like that too. You know something about each of these characters, more or less. It's not the best example of that. Yeah. Maybe I'll say Alien is like that. And that's Ridley Scott, not John Car- it's an, Carpenter. But like, it's an interesting comparison, John Carpenter and Bong Joon Ho, just because it is. Um, they are they are both. They value simplicity. Yeah. Simple music. Uh huh. Simple, but effective. Effective. Woo. Again, music in this film, simple but effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, they had that fucking, I, I was calling it Curb or Little Miss Sunshine music in the Little Miss Sunshine scene. Yeah. That music is simple. It's, like, just a sort of, like, carousel-esque, not the, like, a, like riding on a carousel, not the musical carousel. Um, but it's this very simple, like, straightforward music that gives you the comedy of the scene right away. Mm-hmm. But it feels a little dramatic and chasey. Yeah. And it mirrors what's going on in the scene because it's a carousel. And, but that's not convoluted. That's just like every... It works on its... It, you use one thing to do a bunch of things. It's like a chef's knife. Yeah. Of... In your toolkit. You just use it for as much as you can. Yeah. And everything... There's little special things you do for other stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm interested this month to hear more about um, your thoughts on comparing... Uh, yeah, I'll work on that too a little bit more. That was a off-the-cuff one, so... Yeah, no, I think that... I think that's, that's pretty interesting. Um... And would explain why their both of their films have been so successful, and maybe mm-hmm. that's you know, I mean, everything has its place to a certain degree. But I think once we go back to the simple, basic values of film, it's I don't know. There are films that withstand the test of time, and I yeah. think that um, simplicity has something to do with that. I think so too. Um, and I think that that'll be something fun to talk about for the rest of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think we should kind of wrap it up here. Yeah. Unless you had any any other points to make. Oh, so many. Um, but we'll save some of them. I mean, for yeah, we've got a whole episodes. we've got a whole month, and we really hope that you guys follow us through this month in celebrating Bong Joon Ho because what an incredible dude. Also, um, fucking trash that this wasn't nominated for anything international except a fucking Saturn Award. Really? It was only. I'm pretty sure. I was just looking through the list again. I am pretty sure. Yeah, it was nominated for a bunch of awards but Asia Pacific Film Festival Chunsa Film Art Blue Dragon Film Awards all of these are like Eastern Asian um, like the Eastern Asian seaboard it's it's China it's uh, uh, South Korea and I'm trying to remember where the other one is but it's, it's basically those two countries that's fascinating that it didn't... Uh, Korean Film Awards Director's Cut Awards which is an international one uh, Asian Film Awards Hong Kong Film Awards Bike Song Film Arts Award. Saturn Awards is the only, like, ma- that and the Director's Cut Awards are the only, like, major, like, Eastern, Western, international wow. awards that it was nominated for. Okay. Oh, and uh, Grand Bell. And huh. one, it was nominated in the Grand Prix of the Belgian Syndicate of Cinema Critics two years later. Wow. Okay, well, with that And Grand knowledge, Bell is a Korean film festival as well. I mean, that just, okay. Wow. Stunning. Yeah. Every, gets all these wins most of these 
Like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. And, and he finally won a fucking Oscar this fucking year. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to dive more into that when we do the Parasite episode. So, and awards are bullshit, and the Oscars are bullshit. No, he's right. It's a regional film award. It's not the big deal people seem to think it is. Yeah, exactly. He made an. He makes incredible films. It's. It, it's not not up for de- up for debate really at this no. point. Um, everyone loves Parasite. All right, you know where to find us. We again really hope that you follow this journey this month. We're super stoked about it just to keep um, talking about um, some important films by Bong Joon Ho. Mm-hmm. All right, um, yeah, let, drop us a line if you have any any thoughts. Uh, questions, suggestions. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And we Correct. also have a website, horrorbabespodcast.com. Mm-hmm. All right, till next time. Bye, Bye babes. babes.